Hello and welcome to episode 1130 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, January 24th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning to you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It was wonderful seeing you on Sunday, uh, but I am back in Texas now and re- ready to talk some baseball. Yeah, it was uh, it was an absolute blast to get to see you for, for a little bit. Um, hope you had a good trip uh, to my neck awesome. in the woods. We did a lot. We packed a lot in those in those days, touring all over the the Bay Area. There, uh, jaunting around, saw you and Eno. It was awesome. And there's more people in California. I told you know some other folks, hey, next time I'm there, I'll let you know. Like we dipped into Half Moon Bay so quickly that there would have been no way to even try to see Howard Bender. And yeah. I know Thorburn is out there. I know DVR is out there. Many others too. If I'm not naming yet. I'm obviously further south. You got Sammy Reed. So. More California trips will be coming. Don't worry. Jen, Jen's family lives there, and uh, California's awesome. So, uh, But I got, to, I got to see Eno and Justin. And listen, I'm not ranking them, but, I mean, you guys are the top two. So I like how you rank Eno above me right there. I didn't rank him above you. He was just available on Saturday based on where we were, and you were available on Sunday. Don't get jealous. Don't uh, get uh, jealous. I see how it is. Let's talk outfielders. We're doing uh, – Part one of at least two, maybe three here, so that we can get into the outfielders. One through forty, or one through thirty today. The top thirty guys um, by ADP over a pretty narrow uh, time period here. I'm looking at the last uh, what fifteen? No, not even, not even six drafts from one eight to one twenty three. Uh, the draft champions drafts there. It's a small sample, but. It's tight and it's updated, and and there were some changes. I had it being since January first. I tightened it because again there were some moves. We're seeing some guys start to start to rise up. So uh, it's actually a five draft sample. Pardon me on that, but lots to talk about here. And let's just start at the tippy top. Ronald Acuna Jr. is the number one outfielder off the board, ahead of J. Rod, ahead of Judge. Uh, he's going at about uh, two point four on average, but that makes him the number one outfielder. Is his power going to return? You know, we saw, I mean, who could have guessed that his speed was going to be, that was the one thing we all said, Hey, if you're going to draft him, just make sure you're not expecting speed because he's returning from the, from the ACL. And it's like, that makes total sense. And it just goes to show as often happens, how little we actually know, because that was not the case. His speed was there. His power wasn't. Does the power come back for him though? I think it does. Um, I mean, it's a little bit concerning uh, that his power was so low, only 15 home runs in 533 plate appearances in 2022. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it was probably a little bit fluky. So I'm not like super worried that the the power doesn't come back. I got him for 26 home runs. In 642 plate appearances, I think he is arguably the number one uh, outfielder. But I also think that there is probably four, yeah, maybe even five guys that you could put at that spot. I agree. Um, and I was actually, you know, we'll obviously talk about him in a second. I was actually surprised that like my values have Aaron Judge uh, number one. Um, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. No, I I'm think not, that's. I think that's right. I mean. mine don't so i I say that's right and then mine don't but like he should be right there we're going to get to him in a moment but with acuna i've got him back to 30 30 30 homers 33 steals i mean i think he's going to be acuna the god and um you know definitely a viable number one overall pick 
definitely a viable number one outfielder, but I agree that there are other guys there if you want to go a different direction, uh, including some of these other guys that we're about to talk about here right now. But I want to ask, I want to shift over to J-Rod since we are talking about the number one contention guy. He himself has been considered for number one at times, both at the outfield and overall. Are there any concerns for you about that second half slowdown? It was it was a concerted effort. It was something that they did purposefully. It was in a uh, mining the news by by Jeff Zimmerman. It was clear that they wanted to slow him down on the bases, but I think they've already suggested that they won't do that again, maybe until the second half again this year. Like he'll be able to run kind of freely in the first half and then maybe slow down in the second half type of deal. I don't know, but are you worried about that? He was still able to put up 25 steals with 28 homers in a brilliant rookie year, but do you worry about pinning, say, 30 steals on a J-Rod when he only stole four in a four-for-six second half? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be a little bit concerned um, just because he's such a big part of that future that they may decide, like, we don't want to risk you on the base pass. Um, and in a year where we're expecting uh, more stolen bases, some guys, you know, to, you know, kind of really amp up their stolen base uh, numbers, you have to wonder, like, is he not going to be one of those guys and maybe actually even take a step back in stolen bases? I still projected him for 23, but I had a really hard time kind of pushing past that uh, on, on J-Rod. Yeah, I, I too, you know, I, I actually went pretty high. I went 28, but um, that would be, you know, not adding too many. Again, he ended up with 25. 21 and a half, though, is a lot. You know, it's 91 games, not an actual uh, half of the season is just a bit over, but even even that, that's a wonderful pace. And then, like I said, he crawled down to where J-Rod only had four in the second half. That probably hurt some folks if they were chasing steals points, thinking that he was going to be a big factor for them. Hey, you got plenty of other stuff, though, including seven homers and a 394 average in September. So I don't want to hear it uh, if J-Rod complainers are out there saying, hey, where are my steals? He does so much other stuff. If it kind of like came out that, you know, they they gave a loose idea that he was going to be more of a twenty to twenty three type of guy. How much would that would that change if they if they said somewhere he's going to be able to run, but just not run crazy? What would you do with J Rod then? I mean, I'd probably kind of push him closer to the bottom of that tier, um, and the, you know, the tier for me is well, actually, I guess he's already at the bottom. Yeah, he, he's R four, and he's the markets too. Yeah, he, he would probably maybe jump down into that next tier that includes, you know, Mookie Betts and Juan Soto and Mike Trout. Um, mm -hmm. and, and for me, Randy Rosarena uh, and uh, and Jordan. So um, I'm probably not going to end up with him this year. And I think that's largely because he's going to be a top three pick. One, I don't really want a top three pick this year because yeah. I just think that the difference between probably three and eight um are you're not that large uh and i have him below kind of the other you know top four outfielders um so uh or the other top three outfielders so i'm probably not gonna have a lot of j-rod this year i'm okay with that because there's always a you know chance that pitchers adjust to you in year two and that's what I was going to ask you next. Kind of readjust. Yeah, any sort of uh, sophomore slump concerns? Sounds like you have maybe at least a little bit. Not that obviously you didn't tank him. He's your number four, so our yeah. our projections say that we're okay with him. But you do have a little bit of tinge there. Yeah, because I mean, you know, he did strike out at like a at a twenty six percent rate. Um, you, you know, in his kind of first go around, 
uh, he doesn't make like the best of like zone contact. Like he's not an elite guy in that. So I could definitely see, especially the batting average, um, kind of slip a little bit in year two. The XBA was 245, is you know, which is 30 points slower than his actual average. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't run with quite such a high Babbitt. Like I, I think there's some batting average uh, floor that probably isn't as uh, rosy as maybe the ADP kind of suggests mm-hmm. uh, it is. So uh, I do like the lineup around him. I think they made that lineup better with by adding to Oscar. Um, you know, the park doesn't scare me, I think, as much as it does for other people. So I, I, I like J-Rod quite a bit. Obviously, I have my number four uh, outfielder and like legitimately my top four outfielders are like all within like a few bucks of each other. Like, I mean, actually my top three are within like a few cents of each other. And then, so maybe J-Rod for me is already um, a little bit off the beaten path there. Yeah. He may not even technically be a part of that first year. He may lead off the second year for me. Yeah, I, I could see that because you got uh, thirty-one dollars and some change for Judge Acuna Tucker, and then twenty-nine eighty-five for J Rod. But then it's twenty-six eighty-six to Betts and Company. So either he's on a tier of his own, J Rod is, or he just sneaks in there. Just kind of depends how your cutoffs work and what mm-hmm. did you just change on your page that can to- that's totally messed up. Uh, I'm sorry. Undo that. Undo whatever that was. What What did you want fixed there? I can do it for you. Um, I, I was just I was just uh, deleting some columns that were. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I will I will hide them. And yeah, hide hide those ugly ones. I, I saw that too. I was going to delete those earlier myself because we don't need them. But uh, yeah, hiding works better. There keeps everything even on our other page here. Uh, let's move over to Judge. Shouldn't Judge get more one one consideration? You have him as your number one outfielder. Every projection system that we have up right now has him as the clear top batter. Um, and again, we know that projection systems are notoriously conservative. They're going to have big regression baked in. You're talking 43, 44 homers uh, from Steamer, the bat, ATC, 8 to 10 steals. So they get, they got them coming down from that 16, 100 to 100 on the runs ribbies, and a solid uh, 275 average for Steamer, and then 280s for ATC and the bat X. Is Judge not getting enough love as the 1 1? Because even with big regression, He's still the top hitter there. Yeah, I mean, that's the real thing is I I thought I was being somewhat conservative with Judge, um, considering his monster 2022 and kind of what that it did to inflate his projections for 2023. And he stills my number one outfielder. Now, it's by literally one cent one penny. over Acuna. <laughs> yeah, like one cent over Acuna. Um, and only like... You know, twenty-seven cents over, uh, you know, Kyle Tucker. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think people are probably. I'm actually kind of surprised. I really, really thought that he would, uh, would be kind of the consensus. Yeah, you know, like number Yankee one love outfielder. And everything too. Mm-hmm. You'd think, and that here we are. I don't think Yankee love is what it used to be. Maybe um, not. Maybe not. Uh. I think there are real, like, real, real concerns. Like, I know he's been healthy the last two years, but I still can't get past the idea that he's injury prone, um, especially with that big body. Uh, yeah. So, 
there's also the ball situation. Like how much of that, cheap for him again. Yeah, like how much of it was like them letting him benefit, which also makes me wonder, like, and I've heard a few people now mention this on podcasts, like how much of Garrett Cole's struggles last year were because they were trying to get Aaron Judge that home run. Because he's giving up um, it was dingers that really got Garrett Cole. So I mean that, I mean that's gonna make him my number one overall pick or number one overall uh, pitcher. pitcher uh is you know was what Aaron Judge did to him unfortunately. <laughs> 350 102 by the way for, for Cole. That that's the craziest mm-hmm. thing about him. It's like even with having to deal with that didn't matter. Didn't matter. But yeah, I, I'm looking at Judge and you know, he's my number 2 behind uh but behind Acuña. But I'm thinking A they should be closer for me and B maybe he is my number 1 overall guy. You know, we talked about uh J-Ram being there because of the third base issue and like if you're using tiebreakers there. But we've also talked about how outfield uh, it does not. It does not stay plentiful, right? It, I think it's always deceiving because there's so many stars. But then, of course, you have to count for the fact that everyone needs five minimum, in addition to possibly taking some for util and taking some for other positions. And all of a sudden, that pool starts drying up, and it can get pretty scary there in the middle and late ends of your your outfield. So if you start with a judge right there, that's not too bad at all. I mean, I, I think we are regressing enough at least here obviously if injury strikes then it could be much worse for judge but you can't you can only plan for that so much and i only put him for 145 games i baked in some time off um you did too you bet you put 140 so we both put him down for some time off and it still puts him at one and two for you and i respectively with aaron judge so listen Maybe he is a little bit of a value there if you're getting him at four or five. I think he's gone. I'm going to check my my math here. I think he's gone as low as six sometimes. Eight. Somebody got Aaron Judge at eight. Yeah. I mean, he went six in the draft we're in right now. Um, And I was really like, oh, how – because I feel very uncomfortable taking him in the first round and top off the first round. Um, But, like, if he had gotten to me, I would have had a real decision to make. If he Um, falls to your eight, because that's their spot that you're kind of loving – yeah, I think you at least got to look pretty hard at Judge, man. He's he's awesome. The talent is not the question. It is only whether or not that big body will continue to hold up. It has for the last two years at least to enough of a degree to where he's been great, 148 and 157. Obviously, last year, that's fully healthy, 148 and 2021. That's still quite healthy. Um, he's a badass. He's an absolute badass, and I love watching him. I love watching him hit homers, even if they juice the ball up a little bit for him. Uh, will Houston wise up and move Tucker up the damn lineup? Kyle Tucker. I think so, at least for the start of the season. It sounds like Michael Brantley's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Okay. Um, so I think Good. he will initially the not because I is, want Brantley hurt, but because I want yeah. I want Tucker where he belongs there. Uh the question becomes like, will he stay there once Brantley is back? Um I don't know why they think that Kyle Tucker should be hitting in the six hole. It just you know that makes absolutely no sense to me. I think they're bragging. I think they're like, look at how good we are. You want to see something cool? We're so good that we can put this superstar five six and that's fine. We don't care. Yeah. I, I, I just don't get it. Like it's just I mean he's arguably their best player. Um and like and they and they put him sixth in the lineup. Like it's and like you would think, you think the Astros are like one of those organizations that's pretty smart. At least they get mm-hmm. a reputation for being pretty smart. 
and you have to wonder like like how smart can you be when you're when you're purposely like keeping play appearances away play from yeah. your one of your best players uh, in order to give guys like Michael Brantley more play appearances. Well, it's to keep there. like right, left, right, left, and it's because Brantley's there at that two spot. I will say, by the way, mining the news that'll be out probably by the time people hear this does have Jeff Bagwell quoted as saying that uh, Brantley will be ready for opening day. So, oh great! If he's there, then. Tucker might still be batting six, which is so stupid. He really should be batting two. I think at this point in Brantley's career, there's no problem moving him down. I get that he's like the prototypical old school number two batter, that high contact type of guy. And he's still a good hitter. I'm not here to, to diss on Brantley. It's more of a propping up of Tucker and the fact that he should be batting second. But right now he isn't. That has not detracted me from taking him and taking him quite high. I love Kyle Tucker. I do think they will eventually find what I believe is the right answer and have him at number two. Uh, but for now, I will gladly still take him, you know, a bit lower in kind of the middle of the draft there. He went 30-25 with 107 ribbies. It's the 71 runs that that's the sign that he was batting lower. Like that tells you uh, the, the issue there, because if he's batting two, I think that's at least 91 runs. I think that's like 20 more runs possibly for Tucker if he'd been up there and he'd have a good shot at going 100-100. So I hope they get to that answer because I do believe that is the correct one. Yeah, I mean, I, I do as well. Are you worried about Soto's Juan Soto's first taste in San Diego? You know, we've talked about um, how that park can be a little bit of a hindrance, obviously coming from Washington, which is a positive park. Uh, we, we, we see the fall off there for other guys, Josh Bell, came with him and obviously fell off. Uh, we talked about it in regards to Xander Bogarts. Worried about it with Soto 52 games in to his uh, San Diego career, or is it just a blip? And I will also point out before you answer that um, it actually wasn't. Uh, oh, yeah, no, it was with him. Sorry. I think Bell actually did okay at home and was worse on the road, but it was Soto's homework. It was 7-10 at home, 8-40 on the road with San Diego. So does the park worry you, or is it just a blip of a 254 Babbitt hurting him and he'll be fine once he kind of settles into uh, San Diego? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to worry you a little bit. Um, at the same time, like, I still think it's Juan Soto, and I still think, like, his elite, uh, you know, plate skills and bat-to-ball skills will just play. Um, but, I mean, this is the reason why he's not part of that tier, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the top tier, and kind of is, uh, you know, kind of leading off the second tier is, um, or or second for me in, in the second tier is we're, is that we're both a tick lower than the market too. He's fifth off the you board. Know. You got him six. I got him seven. And that's not huge, but it's something. But like I mean, this tier for me, like you know, of Bet Soto, Trout, and Rosarena, like all of them are within you know Pennies. seventy cents. Yeah, yeah, um, for me. So I can kind of go either way and go, hey, I'm going to try to get the cheapest one, which is usually a Rosarena. Um, so. I don't know that I'm, I've gotten Soto in a league. I think I, I drafted him uh, in the first round of the first league I drafted uh, this year. That may be my only share um, uh, because I he's probably going to go in the first round of most drafts, and I can get a Rosarena in the third usually. So And get that um, speed component with him as well. And you you are high on Rosarena, and I love that. I'm, we're going to talk about him momentarily but yeah you know it, it it didn't push me way off of soto or anything like that again he's my my seven so i'm not i'm not tanking him i got him 289 443 504 
with 28 homers, 113 runs, 93 ribs, and seven chip-in steals. Hell of a season. Um, but, you know, I think if I'm looking at him in the middle of that first round, I, I have that pick. My tiebreakers are probably going to lean away from Soto, uh, including mm -hmm. that ballpark being a little bit of a concern. And fewer potential games in Coors because of the uh, more more balanced schedule. Yeah. So not as many opportunities to go there and kind of make up for it. Uh, do you associate Jordan Alvarez with injury issues still, or has he moved beyond those for you? I mean, I don't know how you can't. Like, I, I know that he's been healthy recently, but, you know. But even it's, even then, it's relative health, right? 144 and 135 games. Yeah, like, I couldn't get into the kind of plate appearances he needed to be at um, to kind of offset the fact that he does not run. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was kind of my biggest issue is like you're getting zero stolen bases from Jordan. Uh, and um, and I and I mean, I projected him for 575 plate appearances, which is is great still. Mm -hmm. uh, he can do a lot in that. But he also is a guy who walks a lot. And so, like, there's less opportunities then for him to, like, get 40 plus dingers. Um yeah, I'm much lower on him than the market. The market has him almost as like a first round pick, and uh, yeah. you know, in a lot of drafts. So uh, I've got him ninth in my in my outfield ranks. Um, I do like him, and I, you know, he's the kind of guy I do want to target this year because with the rule changes, I think the one thing we can rely upon is our good hitters are going to hit. Yes, um, you know, and bad hitters are not going to hit, and so I think he is a pure good hitter but the lack of stolen bases and the fewer plate appearances uh has him just a little bit lower than a lot of the other elite options for me and you know when you're already starting at 575 with some injury concern that is a little bit a bit of a concern for Jordan Alvarez I will say though uh, stop saying he doesn't steal he had one each of the last two years okay oh oh yeah how many did you project him for one. Oh, really okay yeah, I, 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 I see a trend and I buy into it okay <laughs> okay, I, I, get, I gave him the one that that he rightly deserves. I will not. I, I guess. I, I guess Alvarez. on the, this episode, I'm wish casting. <laughs> <laughs> I Jordan. am, um, you know, the back end of a double steal. There, I see your DZ sliding right in and getting that mm -hmm. one steal. I did get him for the 40 bombs though, too. Um, even in 590 plate appearances, which is you know is short of that big 600 number that you probably want out of a first rounder. But he's so impactful when he does play. Uh, he's a tough one, though, and I, again, I wonder if I'm faced with that decision, do my tiebreakers start to push towards, say, our next guy here, Mookie Betts, as opposed to Soto or Alvarez, if all three were available. Is Mookie Betts still a bargain at 11? He was a turn guy last year that I couldn't get enough of, and I'd like to thank Michael Govier once again, even though it did not result in me placing in our league. I remember being so upset that he yoinked Albies from me, and I had to, quote-unquote, settle for my boy Mookie Betts. <laughs> And uh, turned out that worked out pretty well for me. So th thank you for that, even though, again, didn't, didn't really get much from it, but uh, uh, except a much better first-round pick. But is Betts, is Betts still a bit of a bargain right now? Yeah, I, I think he is. Um, I have Betts as my 11th overall player. Uh, and uh, I think he, for me, is the top of this tier, this kind of second tier of outfielders. Um, so. Uh, I expect him to run a little bit more. Like I expect him to be a five category stud. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there is some concern about 
the Dodger lineup, but there's no real concern about the top half of the Dodger lineup. Exactly. So you can still score just a crap ton of runs, uh, have a good uh, uh, average, um, you know, have enough RBIs where he's not like at a deficit or anything for you. So, um, and I mean, batting average stolen bases in the first round, like, and I, I think he's an absolute stud. I've got no problem taking him as like a top 12 pick. Yep. I adore Mookie bets. We're both a bit ahead of the market. You're at five on bets. I'm at six and he's at seven in the market. So slight differences there, but a difference nonetheless. Uh, let's talk about fish boy. Do you, do you automatically budget 20 to 25 games missed for Mike Trout at this point? Is it, could you even make a case to do anything else? Actually, I see now that you gave him 150 games. That yeah. Is, I don't think uh, that, I don't think that's all right. Cause I only gave him 600 plate appearances. So, uh, oh yeah. So the plate appearances are, suggest not quite 150 mm -hmm. games. Um, so yeah, so you do budget mentally. You're like, okay, I cannot quite get him uh, a quote unquote full season. By the way, he was able to put up 600 plus plate appearances in 18 and 19 with 140 and 134 games. So yeah, at your 600, you can lower the games count there and still be reasonable. And look what he did last year in 499. He went 40, 80, 85, which is uh, the runs. Only one steal. Again, he doesn't really run to protect himself, it seems. Uh, 283 average, four category demon. And uh, I just think you do have to budget in that time. And then I go back to what we were just saying again with, with the Soto and Betts and uh, Alvarez and Trout group. Do the tiebreakers take you away from him because you're budgeting in that missed time with Trout? Yeah, I, I think it does. Like, I've had some opportunities to get him in the second round and have passed up on him uh, every time. I think the hard part is, like, you're just afraid you're going to get the 36-game season that we got in 2021. Um, terrifying. Uh, and again, like, I have a Rosarena and him, like, within, you know, 40 cents of each other. So it's it's so hard for me to say... Well, I'm going to take Trout in the second and I'm going to grab, you know, or as opposed to just waiting for a Rosarena um, in the third. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm probably not going to end up with a lot of Mike Trout this year, but I'm, I'm not completely scared away just because what he does in such a small sample is so amazing. Um, I think especially in 10 and 12 team leagues, that's, that's where I'm about to ask you that. Is yeah. he somebody that, and we've talked about this phenomenon, these guys that are so high impact in their small volume, smaller volume. Do you like them more in those shallower leagues? Because you know, the replacement level's higher. And so then you're really still getting a first rounds value out of that, that spot, right? Think of yeah. it as a spot more than just trout because you're replacing him with, you know, I don't know, Jesse Winker who goes on, on a tear for two weeks for you or something like that. Cause guys like that, are available on the waiver wire in 10 teamers. Like maybe not Winker himself specifically this year, if he bounces back, but that, that caliber of guy, there's, there's some real talent on the wire in tens and twelves that you can kind of cycle in there and cover trout's missed time, which we are kind of budgeting in at this juncture. Are we sure Michael Harris, the second is a top 25 pick already? I'm not. Uh, I mean, not I don't either. even have us uh, have him as a top 10 outfielder. Me neither. I'm 13. Uh, you're 12. The market is 10 for Michael Harris. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I understand, like, why people are excited about him. He kind of came out of nowhere. I think the only person in the industry that was even talking about Michael Harris um, prior to the start of the season uh, was, like, James Anderson uh, over at Rotowire, um, who just absolutely that's why, nailed it. That's why he's a stud. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. Uh, but, like, 
I, I don't even remember hearing his name um, outside of like prospect podcasts. Like I didn't think he was like legitimately going to get 400 plate appearances in the majors. Um, and he, you know, in 441 plate appearances, 19 solo bases, or sorry, 19 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 297, 339, 514. Um, like he was absolutely amazing. And so people are going, well, just, you know, prorate that to 600 plate appearances. Yep. And like now you've got a 30 30 player with That's a good dangerous. batting average. And that is super dangerous. Um, one to just do that generally. Yeah, with anybody really, even yeah. even an established guy, like taking you know Trout. I, I know it's Trout. Maybe maybe Trout is the exception that you could do that with. But like t- doing that with anybody, taking their 400 sample and extrapolating it to 600, and just saying, hey, they're going to keep doing that. Y- y- you have to be careful with that. And there's a reason that nobody was really on Harris except for for James Anderson. He played 43 games in Double A and then was in the majors, being an absolute yeah. god. Like. Who could have seen that coming with that impact so quickly? And he was a homer shy of 2020 in 441 plate appearances. Just an absolute banger of a season. I get the excitement. I do think it's a bit overzealous, and I, I'm I'm tapping the brakes a bit. And I, when I say tapping the brakes, let me be clear. 16 homers, 26 steals. Uh, nobody's crying about that. You actually still have him for 2020. you got 20 homers, 23 steals. So we're not tanking his value. I just can't get there with that second round pick, which is firmly where Harris is going in drafts. Yeah, I, I can't either, especially with the underlying plate skills not being super rosy. He makes good zone contact, you know, just above league average zone contact. But he swings outside of the zone like almost 42% of the time. Uh, he swings a lot, like, um, you know, and, you know, he had a 13.8% swing and strike rate, which tells me like he's gonna strike out a mm-hmm. lot more than what we saw we saw him strike out at a 24 percent clip i think it's gonna be closer to like 26 27 28 percent um he you know didn't walk a ton now maybe you know he did walk more in the minor leagues maybe that kind of ticks up maybe this was just like a you know hey i'm, I'm getting to the majors i've barely played in the minors and i'm really really excited and i'm gonna be really aggressive maybe we see him become more of a patient hitter, but I don't know how you can project that. Um, I think there's also some concerns about, like, you know, right now, Ross Resource hasn't projected for second in the lineup. That's my next question, you, you, you read my mind. Uh, like, are we sure that he's going to stay at number two? You know, a healthy Aussie sure he starts it too. I'm not even yeah. sure he starts there. I think Albies can get his spot right back and, and be the number two guy. Now, we're very pro Albies, so maybe we have our Albies colored glasses on, but I feel like he's going to come back and, and be the two uh, behind Acuna there. And, they, and the dynamic duo is going to get back in, in the swing of things. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that has rotated that number two spot. Because we've had this same question asked about like three different players of the years in Atlanta, including like, Albies, by the way. Yeah, including Albies. Like, you know, is Dansby Swanson going to hit the top? You mm-hmm. know, number two is is Ozzy Albies going to hit number two? And now is it you know is Michael Harris you know going to hit number two? Um, and like in spite of the fact that he's pretty fast, like he's not like a generally great defensive player either. So like surprising, um, yeah. So like. You know, it, for those of you who are like, well, the contract and the defense will keep him in even when he struggles. 
Um, not necessarily. Now the contract <laughs> probably will, but I still think will. he'll play, right? Like, but yeah. I could I could see bottom third, bottom uh, four lineup spots there, where maybe Harris goes to six or seven if he is struggling and, and the strikeouts are creeping up. I, I I do worry about some sophomore slump here, and like I said, you know, I dropped my power on uh, Harris down to sixteen homers. So I did not only did I not extrapolate anything, I put him for six fifteen plate appearances, yeah. but brought that power down. I'm just not sure he's a twenty plus homer guy uh, yet. I, I'm I'm not quite there. And if I'm wrong on him, I tip my cap and I say, hey, way to stick with him, folks. But I'm not there on Harris. I don't see him on any of my teams this year. I really don't. Yeah, I gave him just twenty home runs and twenty three stolen bases. Um, I think what hurt him for me was, one, I don't think he ends up staying at the number two spot. Mm -hmm. um, and so the runs in RBIs had to come down for me. And then the batting average, I, I don't think there's any way with that O swing um, and uh, the swing strike rate that he can maintain like a 280, 290 batting average. I put 263. So. You put 269 for Michael Harris. So we've got some sophomore slump in there. Sorry, Braves fans, just trying to be honest about it. And I'm not quite sure it's all there for him to be elite. Uh, for a full season just yet. I think there'll be some growing pains, and then I still like him long-term, but uh, not quite this year for Michael Harris. All right, based on uh, a lot of what we talked about so far, I already know the answer to this question of who is your favorite of the Rosarena, Luis Robert, and uh, Cedric Mullins trio. So let's pivot. Let's pivot and just talk to me a bit more about Rosarena because you do have him as your eight. He's my nine, so we both like him. Do you like him to get more steals? With the new rules, or is it power, or is it both? Where, where are you at with the Rosarena that has him as your outfield eight? Um, I think more stolen bases are definitely uh, in the cards for him. Uh, but ultimately, like the line I gave him is pretty much like right in line with what he did last year, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, which makes me wonder like why other people aren't taking him in like the second the market round. is ha our haters on him. And it's been that way pretty much since the, the playoff breakout. I understand the skepticism of buying in on a playoff breakout from the going into the 2021 season when he killed it in that 2020 playoff there. And there were some concerns. He ended up going 2020 with a 275 or 274 batting average and one rookie of the year. Then there was more skepticism because he has some swing and miss. He led the league and caught stealings. So what does he do the next year? He's even better. He does drop 11 points of average to 263, but he adds 12 steals, does get caught the most, again, 12, but hits another 20 homers, 89 ribbies, and yes, the runs drop from 94 to 72, but the added steals and ribbies, 20 more mm -hmm. ribbies, counterbalanced it. And he had another brilliant season. And Rosarena's 28, uh, so he's still like in his prime years. I, I I love this guy, and I feel like the market is kind of like ho-hum on him where people take him, and they're like, eh, I guess I'll take this guy. I'm like, what do you mean you guess? This guy's good as hell, and you know he's, he's going to be batting number three in a quality lineup. I feel like he's a, kind of a 2020 uh, lock, and then the potential for more. I do, I do think he can get another 30-plus steals, especially with the rule changes. Maybe the average comes down even a little bit more, but I think even at a 250 average, I would be pretty happy with uh, a Rosarena's contributions. I mean, you know, like I've mentioned already, like I have him above Jordan. Um, I just think he is, uh, you know, five category production um, at a position that, you know, th this top 10 of outfield or, you know, I mean, even top, you know, 12 to 14 or something like that is really, really good. And then there's some real question marks. Um, 
And so, and yeah. I, I just don't know what the question mark is with a Rosarina. I mean, two seasons in a row in which he's gone at least 2020 um, while having an average that doesn't hurt you uh, and has put up 600 plus plate appearance in each of these last two seasons. Um, and I think there is still the dream that you get a like mini breakout where he is that playoff or and the power um, comes up. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, and he hits 28 30 and then maybe it goes 30 30 because we know he likes his thresholds, by the way, one of the reasons mm-hmm. that he led the league in, in cots uh, in 2021 was because he really wanted to get to that 2020 threshold. And so he was running a bit, maybe even a little bit carelessly there. Uh, to make sure he got that 2020 and then maybe last year the same thing was with 2030 i don't know but i know specifically he mentioned that he was really chasing that 2020 back in the 21 season for a rosarena um i don't know if it was the same case with the uh with the 30 steals last year but he did go 2030 maybe this year it's 2040 yeah if he doesn't add power but continues to add steals i'll be fine with that too but i love some mf -er named randy yeah, <laughs> he also made like real gains in the zone contact, like five percent higher zone contact than last season. Cut four points um, off his K rate from twenty eight to twenty four. I, I can twenty four is palatable for a guy who doesn't really walk that much and has mm-hmm. that kind of pop. I, I can live with that from Randy. Yeah, I can too. I just I think he's a stud um, and have no real concerns about him. Uh, as we start to get into guys with concerns, kind mm-hmm. of like in this next tier. So let's talk about Robert and Mullins then, because uh, they are the next two in the market. These guys are Rosarena, Robert, and Mullins go 12, 13, 14 in the market. I have them 9, 12, 10, respectively. You have them 8, 17, and 10, which tells me that Robert is your biggest concern. Is it all health, or is there anything in the skills as well? Oh, I mean, it's like 95% health. I mean, you know, last year he had a career high in terms of plate appearances in the majors, and it was 401. Like, like all these projection systems that have got him for, like, 550, 600, you know, um, 620. Uh, like, I don't know how they get there. Like, I, that, that is interesting, too, because, again, we talk – all the time, I always repeat how conservative projection systems are because they don't want to do, they're not doing 90th percentile projections. And yet you're talking 600 here for 614 for steamer, 551 for ATC, 589 for the bat. That's a lot. That's a lot, a lot. And it's still missing some time. It's 139 games for all of those systems, 131 for ATC. So it is still baking in some missed time. But my man has not played 100 games in the majors yet in in a given season as far as Luis Robert goes. And he has some plate skill issues. Um, I think there is some real concern here. You're really taking a bit of a leap by taking him in the second, third round area, which is where he consistently goes. In fact, uh, I guess he can he can venture out there sometimes. 58 is his low, but his 49 ADP for Luis Robert, that's in a 15-team league. That's firmly in the fourth round. I mean, I know this is going to seem weird. And, uh, you know, I mean, he- here's the thing. I, they play on the same team. Um but I don't know that I've ever seen Tim Anderson and Luis Robert in the same frame and picture together because they are the same effing player. They are. Um, and you are getting Tim Anderson so much cheaper than you are getting. And I know it's a different position. Sure. And shortstop like doesn't have the, the major depth issues that outfield does. But put um, aside that and just talk about skills. And you're right, you know. If you like Robert so much and it's not just an outfield thing, why wouldn't you just wait and take Tim Anderson, who's at least shown that he can play a, a bit more games? 
I mean, I, this is all obviously an age thing because um, Luis yeah. Robert is a guy that is 25 and Tim Anderson is, you know, in his 30s now. Going to his age 30 season this year, yep. Yeah, so, like, I think that's probably uh, why we're saying this. Like, people are still buying into, like, hey, when he, when he does put up a full season, like, he's going to be a monster. I don't know if that's even true, though. Like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I'm actually, you know, overselling him when I say it's 95% due to health. Because, like, if you do that thing that lots of people love to do about, hey, project out six hundred plate appearances, like, last year would be, like, a 16-16 season for him. Um, and I th- that's not what you're expecting from nah, you, you, Robert you're, when you're drafting you him. Like, 2020 at least, right? Like, he needs to at least be a Rosarena. And that's why I'm like, why is he – like, why would I ever take uh, Robert when a Rosarena is there? Yeah. Or even said, and I know said bounced uh, – came down in the power last year. But for me, it was exactly what we thought. Like I thought he would slice quite a few homers off. And even though the park really hurt righties, um, he did have a lot fewer at home. So I don't know if it was oppo tacos or anything like that. I, I have not investigated that enough, but Mullins went from 30 to 16 homers. That's about what I expect. I thought maybe he could be 18 to 20. So 16 was not too far off what I thought, but he added four more steals. Um, he had, he had five more ribbies. He had almost as many runs from 91 to 89. I had no problems with Sed's follow-up last year. I thought it was completely in line with at least what I was expecting. And I think some people are treating it like some big drop-off. If you were expecting 30-30 again, then you should have taken him in the first round, which nobody was doing. So I don't know why 16-34 was a problem for Sed. And it's better than anything Robert's done. So he's up there on reputation and wish-casting, as we like to say, uh, while Rosarena and Mullins have actually put numbers on the board. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just – for me – the guy, I don't even have Robert as a top 15 outfielder. No, he's your um, 17. Yeah. And so, like, there's just, there's no way he ends up on any of my teams uh, this year. Cause, you know, a top from the injury concerns, like, there's real plate skill concerns. Like, he doesn't walk. Um, you know, he's swinging. I've got his average too high. I'm, I'm noticing right now. Yeah. yeah 294. Um, he did, he's never hit that. And, he does have uh, plate skill concern. He hit 338 in in 2021. Let me be clear, but um, yeah, I think I'm going to lower his average for sure on Robert. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I'm just concerned the, there. The strikeout rate has got to come up. He's he has he has a 15% swinging strike rate and a 48% O swing. Um, yes, he makes a lot of contact, but that's because he has no idea where the strike zone is <laughs> and who swings at everything. Um, uh, like I there. There's an average floor here that um, is a little bit scary. Now, maybe he can, maybe he is Tim Anderson. Maybe, like, what they did was, you know, they really liked Tim Anderson early in his career, and they drew some blood, and they cloned him. And this For is now, where Louis, that's smart. Yeah, Luis Robert really actually came from. Was that's why he's a junior. Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that's why we had so many issues with the name, Robert, mm-hmm. Robert. They're just trying to throw us off the scent. It's Anderson. Uh-huh. It's Luis Anderson Jr. He's, he's, a, he's a clone that really doesn't like quite like have a backstory. Like it's all just made up and he can't quite remember what it is. Um, yeah, there's some serious plate skills issues. Maybe, and like I said, maybe he can't outrun it in the way that Tim Anderson has unru- uh, outrun it too. Because like Tim Anderson continuously puts up 300 
uh, batting average seasons, like mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that like he shouldn't, like it doesn't his, make a whole lot of his sense. Babips are through the roof for Anderson, yeah. and they both have the speed to run high Babips. I will grant mm-hmm. that, and that's part, probably what I was thinking when I put him for a two ninety four originally. But that's just too high. Like two ninety four is in the cards for Robert. I see a world where that can happen, but that can't be the projection. Like that, that's that's just going too high with it. So I've lowered him now, and now he's my eighteenth, and your seventeenth outfielder. He's the market's thirteenth. We're just being a little bit chill on Luis Robert right now. Um, what about said the entertainer here? How's your boy looking in year three, uh, essentially after? I mean, it's not his third year, but like his his third year as an option. What do you think of said the entertainer? See, and this is like uh, Cedric, uh, Cedric Mullins is a guy that like um, I think the projections miss on like when you look the playing time. So two straight seasons of 670 plate appearances, 675 in 2021, 672 in 2022, and all the projection systems, 626, 637. Like, why? Like, what makes you think, like, he's not going to lead off um, and just rack up a ton of plate appearances? And so, like, I think they're a little bit low, uh, even though they all have, like, the power coming back a little bit more um, Mm -hmm. after kind of, you know, a big step back in, in 2022. They're all still a little bit low on the power, uh, and probably stolen bases too, because they're missing like fifty plate appearances. Um, uh, like, yes, he definitely has flaws. I don't think the batting average is going to uh, like bounce back, uh, you know, anywhere close. Like the two ninety one, I actually have it like lower with two fifty five, um, but like he, you can pretty much pencil in. 15 plus home runs again with the upside of 20 uh, something and 30 plus stolen bases on top of a lineup that's getting better, um, you know, and so there should be plenty of runs scored. Uh, I will I mean, it, it shouldn't be surprising. I love Cedric Mullins. Yeah. Um, and I've already drafted him in multiple drafts. I was going to ask what, what, where, where you at on him as far as uh, multiple, multiple drafts took- yet. I think I took him in our draft, didn't I? Yeah. He, I mean, he felt to me, you know, I, and I even tweeted it out when it happened. Like, if you give me Cedric Mullins in the fourth, I'm going to take it every time. Like, there is just no doubt that Cedric Mullins will be on my team if he's sitting there in the fourth round. Exactly. And that makes total sense. All right. Do you see average regression for Kyle Schwarber this year? Or are the strikeouts just too much? Um, I gave him some. Uh, like, I just... I think he got a bit unlucky last year, which is crazy considering, you know, the season he had, uh, you know, with the, you know, 40, you know, six home runs, you know, and going 100, 100 runs and 94 RBIs and 10 stolen bases that where, where the hell did like, this is like, you know, you say it all the time, right? Like there are certain guys who can steal, but just choose not to. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kyle Schwarber was all like, um, do you guys care if I like you know just take off randomly and I just get um, a few, you know? And like he was really he was ten for eleven. Like it wasn't like he got caught up like a bunch either. Like, um, so yeah, I mean, I I I didn't give him ten stolen bases again. No, uh, I couldn't I, quite get there. I gave I was like I kind of just halved it and went like, okay, I think he can I think he can get it five. Um, you know, especially with the larger bases and uh. Uh, but yeah, batting average wise, I mean, he had a 240 BABIP. Like, I, I just think that there is, um, 
a pretty good chance that he gets to his XBA of 237, which is where I, exactly where I uh, I put him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Kyle Schwarber is a stud. I think he's a top 10 outfielder. I think people are kind of um, – or actually, no, I've got him 11. So, like, um, I think Don't people are – yeah, I think people are uh, underrating him a, a little bit. Uh, so I, I got to push him up in my drafts a little bit because he's been a guy that – I haven't gotten yet, um, and I probably should considering I'm like four spots above ADP on him. Are we buying? Well, I'm not. I'll just say already off the top. I am mm-hmm. absolutely not in any way, shape, or form. Adelise Garcia. Uh, I think people are making a mistake buying into what he did last year, thinking, oh, I missed on him. I got to get back in. Are you doing the same? I mean, yes and no. So, um, we know there's power, right? Like, the power, I don't think, is questioned. Um, the speed is not questioned. The question becomes, do the plate skills catch back up with him? Because, like, the plate skills are so bad um, that, uh, like, at some point, you have to assume that they're going to kind of catch back up with him. And, you know, and, like, he has legitimately... Um, like a crater low batting average floor. Uh, and that's, that's super scary. Um, that's what I've that, got, man. I, I mean, I've got, I've got at least for a 227 average, he's my 33rd outfielder. And that's with 22 wow. homers, 17 steals. I, I just, I, this is a bad player. And I think people are making a mistake by, because we miss and credit to the market. And, and see, because, that's where I go, maybe because. The market has started to cool on him. Well, credit to the market last year for not overrating him, but now I think they thought, we made such a big mistake. Now we're going to rush to get him because he went 27-25, and I just don't buy it. And uh, I am I am remarkably concerned about Adelise Garcia to the point where I just I can't do it. I think you can make the argument that in certain construction builds, he makes a lot of sense. Um because like if I you're think doing you're, a um, like one of like, those leagues where you're trying to get the worst players, where you where you punt batting average. Like if you're, I know like, I was trying to be funny. Yeah, but like you're right. Like the plate skills are absolutely atrocious. He had the uh, fourth highest swinging strike rate um, in major in the major leagues among qualified hitters. He had mm-hmm. the third lowest zone contact. He swings outside of the zone forty percent of the time. Like. Like there is a world in which he hits like 190. Um, exactly, and that's you, know, you could not pay me to take Adelise Garcia. And and I have yet to even be like even consider him. That being said, like he's not that far um, above, uh, or or yeah, he's not that far away from ADP according to my ranks. Like he's the I know, you, he, outfielder off the board, and I have him as my 18th outfielder. Yeah. Because the power and speed will be there, and the defense is so good. The defense helps keep him in the lineup. I will fully and, grant that he is. Adelis Garcia is a wonderful defender, but man, name just, name the Texas outfielders: Rusty Greer, yeah, Juan Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Adelis Garcia. Those are the yeah, three. Like, Final answer, Raj. I don't know who Raj. Look, is. I like Leodi. I like Leodi Tavares, and I like Leodi. But yeah, I know Josh Smith is the other one. But Leodi's my guy. Like they they just signed Yoshi Tsugo, like as some corner. 
<laughs> like think of like, Bubba Thompson. They could just yeah, go speedy he, defense. So, yeah, talk about like awful plate skills. Bubba Thompson's a quad A player. Like Bubba, I, like, I understand. I like, don't. I mean, if you had him last year and he helped you with those steals, say thank you and move on. Yeah, do not get him married to him. For those. Yeah, yep. But yeah. But do not jump back into that uh, uh, bed with him because those 18 steals in, in 181 plate appearances were wonderful. They came with a 77 OPS plus for Bubba Thompson. Ugh, yeah. Absolute brutalness. So I'm with you on the outfield sucking. He's going to play. I do not. My, my Adelise Garcia is not a playing time situation. It is a performance. It's 22 homers, 17 steals, 227 average is really why he tanks for me. And I so just. Those- those of you who play in points leagues, like don't draft, don't, don't draft at all. Do not draft Adelise Garcia. Like, like, like for, so if you're playing in a points league, like you know, you have to just bake in so many strikeouts that it's going to crush you. A hundred percent in points leagues. So, uh, you know, and like when, you know, unfortunately, I I I thought I was going to finish my outfield ranks. I forgot there's like 600 outfielders. Yeah, there's to, a um, guys to go. <laughs> Uh, so I'm not quite done with it. And then I got to do catcher, which should take me about 15 minutes. Um, but, uh, I hopefully will be done later today. Uh, and then I'll be able to like put out like point league ranks and things like mm-hmm. that as well. So we'll make adjustments for everything. And then we got some fun stuff coming for the fan yeah. site with rankings. So stay tuned for mm-hmm. that. Let's move on to Teoscar. Are you concerned about the park move from Toronto to Seattle? Now this is not, um, we can't count like what Toronto's doing to their park to improve it. I know you talked about that on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a shame that he's going to miss that. But even standard Toronto, which was like kind of uh, neutral with the humidor lately, he's still going to Seattle, which is definitely a hindrance. It is the 29th park and overall park factor for righties the last three years with a 93 mark. Toronto is 100 smack dab in the middle there. Are you concerned about Teoscar moving there a la a Jesse Winker type last year? Or is he more the A. Eugenio Suarez where he's got big boy power, plays everywhere, and you have no concerns? Yeah, I mean, this is just like uh, Chris with a K. Davis when going to Oakland. Like, I, I don't really care. That, where that's, that's a fair goes. point. That's a fair point. Like, you know, he he's a guy that's going to hit for power. I think the bigger question becomes what does the batting average look like? Bingo. Um, and that's where he, my concern really comes in because I have I'm not in on the Teoscar market this year. I got him hitting 258. I still got 25 homers. Yeah, I still I have eight two, steals. I have 248. Um yeah, so you're even lower there and we're way off the market. Um at, he's 17th in the market. You're 21. I'm 29. I actually have him for more home runs than every single projection system. Um and he, but because that batting average is is cratered because of the concerns to Seattle, it looks like you're not taking Teoscar either. And there's some concerns also about the health, right? Like he's yeah. a guy that uh, you know struggled about 31 to games last year. Um, and so now I think he will likely DH for the most part. Like I don't think he's going to play the field uh, full time. Uh, but you know teams also like to rotate guys in and out of that DH spot. So um, I think there is you know he's going to have to play the field some. Uh, yeah, playing time concerns and. Um, or not play, uh, you know, health concerns, health concerns, lowering the PT and, yeah. and batting average concerns has him outside of my top 20 outfielders. Yep. Um, so. I, I love the guy. I, I really do, but not enough. Right. Cause if you say you love him and you're not drafting him, you can't, you can't say you love him too much. So it's like, 
I hope he does well, but it's going to be on somebody else's team as far as Teoscar Hernandez goes because I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm so worried about that park. Let's go back out to Chicago and talk about their upside guys that haven't quite gotten to it. And obviously everyone knows where I'm going here. Adam Engel. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Eli Jimenez played 122 games in his rookie year, put up a hell of a season, has not come close to that since. And in the last two years, uh, you know, put aside the 2020 season, but in the last two years, has 139 games combined. It's still good production, especially last year. He put up 16 homers, 295 average in his 84 games of work. But do you still do you carry those those injury concerns with Eloy Jimenez, um, or does he still have major upside for you? Where, where do you stand on on Eloy? <laughs> that changes daily at this point. So like earlier on in the off season, they're all like. Uh, the new manager told him, uh, keep your glove at home. Like, don't even bring your glove. You're just going to be aged. And then there was this report that, like, oh, like, he's working on his defense. He wants to play defense. No. And yesterday, oh. there, he was all like, yeah, my goal is to win the everyday right fielder job. Shut uh, up, <laughs> It's all like, no, dude. Like, please. Because, like, you know, I think I talked about this earlier on in the offseason. Like, I went through his injury history and, like, figured out exactly, like, what every injury was. Because I was like, I don't want to overrate. I don't want to call a guy injury prone and then be like, um, you know, oh, he, you know, he's not really injury prone. Like, because there is, like, one of his injuries was he pulled a calf muscle celebrating Lucas Giolito's. Uh, I, no I remember that. That was um, wild. Uh, almost, I think every single one of his injuries, even dating back to the minor leagues, was in the field. Um, like he has not been hurt while hitting. Um, uh, I think one, I think one of them was rounding third base or something like that, but, uh, the vast majority of them were in the field. So like, don't let him play in the field. Please don't let him play in the field. And the more they talk about him playing right field, the more likely I am to be like, screw it. I'm just not going to take the risk. Uh, the, the upside is massive. I mean, like he, is in many ways Jordan Alvarez. Um, you know, he was the best hitter in the second half mm -hmm. uh, last year. Uh, and the talent is immense. But if he's going to play the field, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Yeah, I, I'm in. He was my 11. Yeah. I went pretty nuts with it. I went 30, 299, 107 ribbies, 75 runs. That's only 138 games, though, 591 plate appearances. I, I didn't give him, like, you know, I didn't pop him all the way up to 150 or anything. Um, that would still be a career high, both of those, the, the games and plate appearances. But I'm ready to be hurt again, I think, because I, I love this guy, and he can mash, and I'm really hoping for what you talked about at the outset. Leave that glove at home. I'm going to go to Chicago, and I'm going to steal every one of his. I'm going to Ruben Rivera the shit out of every glove that he has. I hope you do, because you really, <laughs> you really need him to. Um, yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't get there. Uh, mostly with the batting average, honestly. Um, I have him for two seventy-seven. Uh, I think you know, two ninety, three hundred is like in the realm of um, possibilities for him. So maybe I need to bump it up a little bit. But I might have gone too high again on another White Sox, though. I kind of did the the ninetieth percentile, going two ninety-nine already. Yeah, and he's a 276 guy, and he's never hit 299. He has 296 in the in the shortened 2020 season and 295 last year. I might tamp that down a little bit, but that's only probably going to move him from like 11 to 15. I'm still in on Eloy Jimenez. I've drafted him twice. 
I'm probably not done drafting him. I really think this is a guy who could pop 40 this year, and I wouldn't even be 1% surprised. Yeah. No, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either. Like, I I do think there will be a 40 home run season. I just, I wish they would wrap him in bubble wrap and not let him play the Please. And if they give him a glove, that is malpractice, and we will sue, we will class action lawsuit the White Sox for that. All yeah, right, let's talk about Corbin Carroll because we both are doing our projections by hand, as we've talked about. And I know when you put those minor league numbers in, even regressing them, every projection came out to say, just give this guy the best season ever. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I have the the method of way I'm doing it. It's like I'll put the minor league numbers in, and I'll like 80% them. And even putting those in with what he did last year in the 32 games in the majors – was an obscene projection. So I had to tamp that down further just because I'm like, he's played in some of the best uh, parks as well Mm -hmm. in the minors. And I just, I couldn't quite get to that crazy height for Corbin Carroll. The market's ready though. They got him at 19. We have him at 23 and 25 respectively. I went 14, 27 with his homers and steals. What say you for Corbin Carroll's rookie year here? Uh, I mean, I have some launch angle concerns uh, that, make me wonder like how much power we see in in year one um and that that was kind of my largest concern um i've got him for 16 home runs uh and 19 stolen bases um i think he's gonna hit i think he's gonna like hit for average um for the most part though i'm actually mm, i've got him for 250. i maybe i'm a little bit low on the batting average are you a little Uh, bit low on the steals with Corbin Carroll, because like I get the power concerns, I'm with you. I put 14 because uh, I'm also a little bit nervous that uh, it's not necessarily going to be crazy. But I do think he's somebody who could make up that value with a lot of running. Maybe not to what the market thinks. Like I said, they got him top 20 uh, outfielders there at 19, and I got him 23 to year 25. But I, I have 27 steals in there. I, I think he can run like the wind a bit. Yeah, I had a really hard time getting there because like he he wasn't showing the patience of the plate or the contact ability that. We think he's in there. Um, and, it, I mean, he was a really, really difficult person to do projection on. because He really so, was. Carbon Carroll was tough to project based on the numbers that we've gotten from him. The the minor league sample, like you said, like is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it, the major league sample really skews things because, like, he didn't – he didn't run very much. Uh, you know, I mean, he was two for three on the base paths. He didn't walk, which was like kind of one of the huge, like uh, kind of hallmarks of what he did in the minor leagues. Um, and he didn't even make very good contact. Yeah. Like, I mean, he hit 260. Yes. But like his, his deserved batting average was 221. Um you know, he was well below zone, uh, like league average for zone contact. Uh, and, you know, like, I'm. He also can't hit lefties. And so there's going to be some missed time. And that's not just off of the major league sample where he didn't hit lefties. That's his minor leagues. Yeah. Corbin Carroll struggled against lefties, too. So I, I think the market's getting a little overzealous again here, almost in a Michael Harris type situation. And that's without the big season like Michael Harris had in the majors, at least you understand why people are there. I think people are putting a little bit too much on Carroll. And again, I'm only four spots off of where the market is. So I'm not saying he sucks, but I'm kind of making, I'm kind of tamping things down a little bit. Yeah, I am too. I, I you know, on the plus side is he's a fantastic defensive player. Yes. Um, and I think that alone, 
will keep him in the lineup, you know, pretty regularly. Um, and they did trade Varsho, so like mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna play, I think very very regularly. However, they do have still even after trading Varsho, still have a log jam in the outfield. So when well, they brought on Guriel, who could be yeah. his platoon partner, not in center, but like I'm just saying in the lineup, and then you shift somebody yeah. else to center. McCarthy plays center. So oh, I know McCarthy's a lefty too, so they still have. They've also got Alec Thomas, who's another very good defensive player. Like, he doesn't even have a spot right now. He doesn't have a spot right now. Exactly. Kyle Lewis, we'll see what happens with his health. So, there's still a bit of a jumble. I'm playing Kyle Kyle Lewis, should be in bubble wrap, too. Also, should be in the bubble wrap 100%. I totally, totally agree with that. But yeah, I like Carroll. I just don't think I'm going to be in on on the big big buy this year and and ready for him to go crazy. Uh, are you still buying Starmart, Starling Marte? Are you worried about a drop-off as he continues to age up and has been a guy with some health issues in the past, somewhat related to the fact that he gets hit by the damn ball all the time? And this is going <laughs> back to his Pittsburgh days. My man just stays getting beaned. He's got 146 career HBPs, 13 the last each of the last two years, uh, 16 in 2019. Uh, and then, like I said, back in his heyday with Pittsburgh, he was 24, 17, 19, 16. So he's on that Rizzo beat where he stays on top of the plate, gets hit, also plays outfield, runs himself to death a bit. Are you concerned? It was 120 games last year, 118 in 2022. Where do you stand on Starmart now as he goes into his age 34 season? Do you have some concerns? Um, no, I mean, not particularly. Like, I still think he has a really good chance of like I'm not We're giving ahead of the market by the way. Yeah, I'm not giving him 600 plate appearances or anything like Me I neither. 5 525. Um, reported, yeah, he reportedly is going to be healthy or is expected to be healthy like to enter spring training like so there shouldn't be any major issues and this is a guy who is like a second third round pick, you know, really recently uh mm-hmm. you know with pow- you know enough power, you know, plenty of speed um, and you know, typically it's for a damn good average. And I don't really understand why the projection systems are kind of fading the batting average. Like, um, he's always been a guy who's kind of outperformed like what his expected batting average is supposed to be. Um, you know, I mean, he hasn't hit below 280 since 2018. Um, and I mean, he, you know, out if you don't include his you know, kind of, you know, rookie season 47 game sample in 2012, he has never hit below 275. And so like Mm -hmm. all the projection systems being below 275. That's a big drop off. Like, I I don't, I don't get that. Like, it's just, I mean, he hit 292 last year, 310 the year before. It's a, it's a Um, Babbitt fall off. Um, They got him in the low 300s and he's a career 344 for Marte, 340 last year, 372 the year before that. So that's where it comes from with Marte, but they do still have him for plenty of steals. The bats on the uh, 27, 28 range, ATC 25 steamer 23 with uh mid to high teens homers ranging from 13 to 17. So still a good season from Marte. I got him 15, 25 with a 288. You have Marte. Pardon me. I misclicked there. You have Marte at 13, 24 with a 283. Yeah. Yeah. Which is 16th best outfielder. And honestly, like, I, that's a conservative projection for me. Like I, I legitimately think he, um, you know, could steal 30 bases and, you know, and, and probably will hit above 283, but mm-hmm. I, you know, coming off the injuries, I want to play it a little bit more conservative. Like he's, I mean, he has the ability to pretty easily be like in that third tier of outfielders. 
Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of Starling Martinez. I mean, here. we're a year removed from 47 steals. Remember when he went to Oakland, yeah. people were worried that they weren't going to let him run. He popped 11, excuse me, 25 steals in 251 plate appearances with them, more than he had in 275 with Miami. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's why you never know. Uh, it comes down to the players so much. And that was the case with Marte without a doubt. So, yeah, I like Starmart still. I, I don't think I'm fading him. Um, he's somebody I would get, but he's kind of like, okay, I really need an outfielder here. I'm going to go ahead and go for him. There's probably guys I like around him more. Um, in fact, let me see if I'm looking at my ranking. Well, yeah, the guy we're going to talk about in a moment, um, or like a, my boy, Seiya Suzuki, who we're going to get into, and I know we both love him. Um, I, I probably won't take him because of guys I like around him, but I'm not against Starmart. Uh, same yeah. question I had for Mike Trout. I'm going to have for George Springer. Do you budget 20 to 25 missed games at this point and just say, Hey, I cannot get him over 140 right now, uh, just because of, of the health and now a bit of an age situation with George Springer. How do you feel about that with Springer's health? And do you still like him though? Because he can do so much in the limited sample. Yeah. I mean, I only put him down for 135 games, mm -hmm. which is 600 plate appearances, but, um, I, He's still a top 15 outfielder for me. Yeah, um, he's so and, good. Yeah, I mean, he's just so good. Drink his bath water. I absolutely do. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's going to hit for power. I think there's enough speed there still, uh, you know, to kind of, you know, give you. He spiked 14 last year, uh, kind of yeah. out of nowhere. And you talk about the health concerns with him. He played 133 games, and he put up 14, which is as many as he put up from 18 to 21 combined almost. He had 17 in 17 40-plate appearances from those four years, and then he goes 14 for 16 this year out of nowhere. So, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going crazy off of that number, but it was nice to see George Springer spike some more steals. I think the power, the runs, uh, solid batting average, and ribbies alone can can get him there, even if you're getting six, seven steals. How do you think about the park changes uh, and how they might affect somebody like Springer, too, now that we've heard about these Toronto dimensions? I'm really waiting for the, um, like, the complete, like, you know, specifics. The heights, term. too, right? Yeah. That's what Derek, um, uh, uh, Derek Carney was saying that he wants to see, too, because that's going to play a big role into how much. But they have moved. Like, the walls are definitely moved in to infuse yeah. some offense. So unless they raise the wall a good bit, I don't see any way that they're not going to have more offense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's definitely going to benefit Chapman and uh, Bichette a little bit more than maybe Springer, but you, Springer should get uh, a benefit here. Um, I'm just super annoyed because I've taken Alec Manoa a bunch already. And like, I think this probably hurts him more than it hurts anybody else. So it, it could hurt um, a bit because he's, he's flirted with some Homer issues before and now we're seeing this, and I, man, Manoa's one of those guys. He's kind of like a, a Matt Cain of his era where I think he's he can consistently beat the numbers. Yeah. But Matt Cain pitched in San Francisco to do that, and Toronto, again, was playing very neutral with the humidor. So I think people were still associating it as a hitter's park. This is going to turn it back into a hitter's park. It's going to cancel out some of those humidor effects, and that could sting Manoa. Now, he had a .7 homer nine last year, so it wasn't last year. It was really that rookie year where he was at 1.0, and he had – if you kind of watched him too because I watched all of his starts in 2021 uh, leading up to the 2022 analysis, and I was like – he, he, he can leave some stuff fat that, that gets taken yard. Mm -hmm. A little anecdotal type stuff. I'm not saying that he was some major Homer issue guy, but even you mentioned right when this happened, like, uh-oh, I've got Manoa 
And while he does have a good 0.8 homer nine for his career, there is a world where he can all of a sudden be at 1.2 and it makes him a upper, a mid to upper three ZRA guy, which is still good, but not where you're taking him type of deal. So I understand your concerns there with Manoa, but we will get the full data on those, uh, uh, on those dimensions soon, hopefully. Yeah. Once, once I have a better idea of like what the actual dimensions are and I will let like, I'm, you know, I mentioned this on Sunday, I'm outsourcing this. Like I've already absolutely nailed the ball. Um, and so I'm kind of waiting for it to come out and then them to adjust, you know, what they're going to do. And I'm going to kind of pretty much copy what Derek does. Absolutely. I, so I, tr- I trust what he does yeah. there and I don't have the skills or anything to do that. I no, no, that's, that's all him. Absolutely. Are you drafting Brian Reynolds hoping he's traded or are you fine either way? I know we've talked about Pittsburgh's offense a couple different times and how you're going to adjust it. Obviously if he does get moved, but where do you stand as far as drafting Reynolds? Because he's 22 in the market, 15 for you. 20 for me. I've got him for a perfectly solid season, but you got him up at 15th amongst outfielders. So is this a draft regardless, or is this a draft with a hope that he's getting uh, traded out? I mean, the projections reflect him staying in Pittsburgh. So like, I guess technically it is a draft regardless, Um, but uh, there's obviously some hope that he gets moved. Now I would prefer personally because I am so much higher than the market that he gets moved after draft day. Um, like he gets, he gets moved like, you know, March 29th after Perfect. all the, all the drafts are done and, and the season's about to start on the 31st. But, oh, he's going to the um, Yankees. Oh, dang. Wow. Yeah, crazy. exactly. Um, oh, look now the Dodgers do have a center. Field. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Sweet. That's so, great again. Um, I'm surprised like the market is as low on him. Like, do people not remember what he did in 2022 in Pittsburgh in that lineup? Like, yeah, I am surprised on that too. Where it, it it does seem like he's another one of those guys that kind of gets begrudgingly taken, almost like in the Rosarena vibe that I was talking about earlier, where it's like, fine, I'll take him. I think it's the 40 point drop off in batting average from 302 to 262, but I don't think he's a 262 guy. I think Brian Reynolds is at least a 280s type dude. And so I'm not really holding last year's average completely against him. I got him kind of in between the two at 278 with the upside to do much more. I've got 25 homers, seven steals, 84 runs, 74 ribbies. You've got uh, 25, eight, 275, 88, and 83. And that's the runs ribbies that we've talked about where we disagree a little bit on what Pittsburgh can do. But we've got really strong seasons for him. I think we're both ahead of the market and ready to take Mm -hmm. some Brian Reynolds, even if he stays in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, you know, the one concern and, you know, reason why I can see why people fade him a little bit is like, he just doesn't run a ton necessarily. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe he's a guy, maybe Brian Reynolds. And I, again, we wouldn't project it because it's not, we don't know, but maybe he's a guy who randomly drops 17 on the, on the league, which would be 10 more than he had last year because he likes the rules and he's able to take full advantage of them. I don't know, but I, I think don't. it's, I, I think don't there's going to be guys like that. I think it's going to be. There are. I don't think he's one of them, though. Like, he's never been a, like, like the guys that I'm really looking at, like, to do that kind of stuff are the guys who had, like, big stolen base numbers in the minors, but then never ran or didn't run very much in the majors because they were probably just taking advantage of, like, really bad pitching um, or really bad catching in the minor leagues. Um, and so those are the kind of guys that I go, oh, Maybe he could bump, uh, like maybe he could have like a stolen base breakout 
um, the Starling or the, Star, the Kettle Martes of the world. Like maybe this is going to say that. No, stop uh, it. Stop it with him. I will. I will say. I have him like outside of my top twenty second base. But stop so. with the steals for Cattell Martin. He doesn't want to stop making him do something. Maybe he, he wants to, to now. No, yeah. he doesn't. Brian Reynolds more likely to do that. But again, I'm not projecting anything like that. I just. Oh, oh, here we go. Here's here's a board bet. More stolen bases. Brian Reynolds. I was just about to say. Marte. I, I'll take Reynolds. Put put it on the board. I'm I'm gonna take Marte. Or I'll take Kettle Marte. Um. That, Take that, that, that enjoy. Gonna, you know what? These board bets, I'm I'm already annoyed by them. Why is that? Because we have one that I was like guaranteed to win, absolutely guaranteed. To win. You had already kind of conceded, and then the Cubs bring in Trey Mancini and Eric Hosmer, and now the because the bet was like over or under two fifty ADP on Matt Mervis, and like I was I was gonna win that bet, and now. I'm losing. I I, I, like, clear, yeah, clearly going to lose that bet. Um, so. They just keep bringing in first baseman for some reason. What the Jeez. fuck, dude? I don't, man. They, they clearly don't not have enough confidence in him, and I'm really surprised by that because I liked what we saw. I think there's a lot to like in his profile. I am surprised that they have tanked Mervis's uh, playing time potential right now. Are you passing completely? on uh byron buxton um and again obviously i can see your rankings i know that the answer is yes but i guess talk to i'm not, about I'm not I, okay so he's I'm, your 42nd outfielder yes the hell you are <laughs> all right so this my is my 17th by the way and the market's 24 so i'm well above the market i i'm giving him a little bit I, only 504 plate appearances by the way i'm not putting him down for the 600 but tell us why you got byron buxton as your 42nd outfielder justin i mean it is all about plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have them for 12? I am for 481. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and so like with that, it's like it's still 25 home runs and five stolen bases. Um, I am for 15 steals. I think that probably too. That's high. too high. Um, uh, that's fair. And, and like that's the in a two, that's 243 batting average. Um, so here's the thing, and this will be something that like I talk about in terms of um, you know where projections can kind of struggle in terms of uh, is league to league like he is a completely different player. Like yeah. if you're playing in a ten team ESPN league, um, you should be drafting all the Byron Buxenters. He's a top twenty five outfielder. Um, in probably a top 20 outfielder because you can put him on your IL when he misses time. You can, uh, in daily moves formats, you know, when he gets like two days off a week because they're trying to keep him healthy, um, you've got replacement value that goes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if you're playing in a 15 team weekly league, like he, yeah, he's the 42nd outfielder. No, because- he's not. Yeah, he is forty second. That's insane for Byron Buxton to be forty second. Now, let me ask you this: Let's loop in a little bit of news here. Does the Michael A. Taylor trade worry you or encourage you? I didn't even know Michael A. Taylor got traded. Happened last night, so I know oh. you were buried in your in yeah, your projections. I was, I was um, in Michael A. Taylor to Minnesota. Yeah, that's yeah, they acquire him from the Royals. That is for such Evan a Sisk weird and Stephen Cruz. I'll tell you what, I'm encouraged. Byron Buxton DH now. 
He doesn't have to be out there every day throwing his body around, being wild with it the way he is. But they have like seven guys they have to put at DH. Not like over Buxton. So three of them are Alex Kirilov. So yeah, tank tank Kirilov even further now, Mister Risty. Can't he play first though? Isn't he the penciled in first baseman right now? Yeah, I'm sure he is penciled in at first base, but that's probably and hey. It's pencil because you want to erase it when he gets in. Like, <laughs> screw, screw your Nick Gordon shares again, folks. Sorry, because I know that the Arise trade helped them. I know Jason keeps saying that a lot, but like, I like Nick Gordon too. By the way, are, so. are we are we sure that Nick Gordon just isn't bad? Like, no, no, like, no, I think he's a great like. I think he's a perfect super util. And yeah, but I don't care about can, that. Like, but he can double double his way. We're doing draft champions leagues right now. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I think that's that, fine in draft that champions, you get. But, um, but I do think that this does hinder him directly because he was penciled in to get some DH plate appearances, Nick Gordon was, uh, or at least put Polanco there and I, allow other guys to. I take wonder if this means like Max Kepler is really moving somewhere. Like, I mean, they've been they've there's been so much chatter about the twins wanting to move Max Kepler. Um and like I really thought that it was gonna ha- be a part of a Pablo Lopez trade uh, mm-hmm. type type deal to Miami. Um, you know what and I think when- it is though? I- I'm not sure it is. Sorry to interrupt you real quick. I think they got so devastated by injuries last year that they're like, we're gonna be stocked to the hilt uh, with guys here because we got Larnock and Taylor and Farmer on the bench, all guys who can you know who are quality type players that can be at the bottom of the lineup and be okay. Because we have Kirloff and Gallo and Buxton who are going to get hurt consistently, and Correa is uh, has some injury concerns. I think I think they're planning to have depth. That I don't think they're necessarily going to get rid of everybody here. Can can I um like crack open some champagne for Edward Oliveris? Like yes. is that like yes. now that Michael A. Taylor? Because like you keep talking about the Twins, and and I all I can think about is uh. I haven't done my Edward Olivera's uh, projection, projection yet. yet. Are you a Drew Waters guy? I am a Drew Waters guy. Like, you can crack open something for him and, too. But and yeah. I even I really like Kyle Isbell too. So yeah. like, and um, that's a that's a good outfield defense if those are the three that they commit. Yeah, to. there could be some hitting challenges with the trio. Uh, I think I like Olivera's quite a bit, but the other two can have some hitting struggles. But the market uh, or the defense for that that trio could be really nice. In fact, uh, I do have my Oliveras project- projection done. He's my 67th guy, and the market has him at 94. And this was before the trade, so yeah. I was already in on him going 15, 17 with a 237 average and playing a good bit at 479 plate appearances. I'm going to bump up those plate appearances. I bet he's going to move into my top 60 outfielders now for Edward Oliveras. Just as a little aside there, but I think this Taylor move helps Buxton. Keep him off the field a bit more. They're not not forever. He's not going to be the perma DH. Absolutely not, because he's so good out there. But he doesn't have to play every single day. And if they got you know ten games in a row, then he plays seven and he and he DHs for three type of deal. I think that sort of stuff and that could go a long way to finally keeping him somewhat healthy. And uh, I know. Or let me ask you this: Do you know the last time Byron Buxton played over a hundred games in the major league season? Uh, I. Don't off the top of my head, but I'm going to guess 2016. 2017, very close. Yeah. Very close. Yeah. It's been 28, 87, who cares about 2020, 61, and then 92. But he did hit 28 homers in 92 games last year with six steals. I think that's why I put him up for those decent steal totals. I still brought it back down. 15 was too I, many, especially because he could protect himself by not running. I brought it down to 11. Though. I still have double-digit steals for Buxton. 
And I think you're even underselling it when you talk about like he hasn't been healthy. Like we're talking about he has not played in a hundred games. No, I know it's disastrous. Yeah, like, I just like, I just said like yeah, one's like last it's time like it's it's rough. And so like for me like I like I feel like I'm almost being forty second. He's not gonna play. Like I I've got him for four hundred eighty one plate appearances. He has not come within a hundred plate appearances of that okay, at the but, majors. But with in... four hundred eighty, that's fair, right? Yeah, he's never played. Uh, oh wait, he has four hundred eighty-one plate appearances once that twenty seventeen season. Yeah, yeah, one time. In but his if he gets that career. many, that's it's, better than the forty. No, you're wish casting. No, I'm not. You're... No, I'm not. You put four eighty-one. I'm I'm using your number. Shut up. I'm using your number. How is I... he only forty second for you with that? That's because the part the that batting I batting average yeah. sucks too. So, like, not only like are you like, you know, you get yes, you're gonna get some power, but he doesn't run the way he used to. Like, there's no way, like, how many stolen bases did you project him for? I, I had him for 15, I moved it down to 11. Yeah, he he had he hasn't stolen double digits since 2019. Well, he doesn't play. He had nine in 61 games in 2021, and he was six for six last year. He's still remarkably efficient. Yeah, this he, is Byron Buxton we're talking about here. Like, I don't think they want him to run. Like, I, I don't, don't think so either. I already said that. I, I granted that. I, but you're talking, I, about, I you're talking about the batting average years. trouble? Yeah. I think you and the projections are kind of whack on this batting average thing. He hit 224 last year. I get that. With a 244 Babbitt. You think that's his Babbitt? Give me a break. Uh, give me I an mean, absolute his, break. His deserved his deserve batting average is 242 last year. I don't give a shit about that. That doesn't that doesn't do anything I, for me. I I do. Do you like, think he's I, gonna have another two forty four Babbitt? I think he was trying to hit the ball out of the yard every time he got up to bat, and he did for the most part. Yeah, but like that's gonna cause some real strikeout issues. Like you look no, no, at no, no, the, no, no, the zone no, contact. No, the last two years are eighty percent. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking about like a, a swing strike rate has always been in like the 15% area. Um, yeah, I just, no, I'm just not in on now. Like I said, like if you're in a 10 team or an eight team league, like you shoot for the effing moon on that one because you can replace him. But um, yeah. if you're playing a 12 team or deeper, like I, I, I'm just not going to draft him. 42nd is insane on Byron Buxton. Are you projecting a bounce back for Tyler O'Neill? Hold on. Before we move on from Buxton, I want want another board bet because I need to. Okay, let's um, do it. Let's do it. um, What is it? uh, Let's see. Over under 27 and a half uh, in terms of ranking in outfield for Byron Buxton. Over, yeah. I'll take it. I actually have to write these down as opposed to last year. Let me see. I have no idea. I'm looking at Rasball. Shouts to Rasball. Rasball player Raider. Very good. The only reason I like it um, a little bit better than the auction calculator is it's quicker. <laughs> it's just a little bit quicker. <laughs> this is true. Outfield, outfield. But they do the same thing. I mean, he was 47th last year. So I, I feel pretty good about mine now. You shouldn't. Yeah, because if you have him for 481 plate appearances and he did that in 382, what do you think he's going to do in 481? You're he's going to move up. He's going to move up like five spots. No, no, no. I'm winning all these board bets. I'm killing it. This, I'm killing it this year. This is excellent. All right. Uh, okay, Tyler O'Neill. Then you got to bounce back for him. He was an off my board kind of guy last year because of um, I thought people were buying too high on the hype. He's a guy who's volatile, rough plate skills, 
I'm taking a little bit of a lap on that one. But now, again, everything depends on price. And injury was a big part of it, too. He had 96 games. And he went 14-14, but he hit 228. So the concerns that I had were still reflected, even in the, the shortened playing time that he had. But are you buying back in now? Because that's the thing. Guys depend on price. And I think O'Neill's price might be back to where I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested. The market has him 25. I'm at 27. You're at 28. So we're right there with the market. Mm -hmm. Do you like Tyrone O'Neill? And is he someone you're targeting? Yeah, I mean, I like him again on a per plate appearance basis. Um, and you know, in the limited sample we saw last year, we actually saw some growth in uh, some of the underlying you know uh, swing metrics. So mm -hmm. I'm I the question is, is he going to be healthy? Um, and they do know. kind of have a log jam, uh, you know, pretty much on that entire roster. Like it's not even like just in, in the outfield. So um, I think O'Neill has a bead on playing time if he's healthy, right? He's like one of those guys that's going to play as long as he's I healthy. I think so. And, and I think there are other guys that bigger risk than him, right? Like I think Dylan Carlson is mm -hmm. the biggest of risks, right? But like, you know, they, if Jordan Walker's going to make this team, it's going to be at the expense of someone. Yeah. Could it potentially be at the expense of Tyler O'Neill? I don't think he's the first guy up, but like, would it shock me? Tyler O'Neill, like three years ago, was a bench bat. Like, right. Yeah. He was a defensive replacement. I get um, it. I get that. So. Yeah. I, th I think, I think you should at least include him in the concern Absolutely. profile there. As My biggest to concern is health, though. Yeah. Um, so uh because even know, in his breakout he played 138 games yeah and so I mean, one for tyler neal the hardest part for me um was you know figuring how to get him to 600 plate appearances and i, I just couldn't nope um i had him for 532 so i'm all i'm also pretty low there if he gets to 600 that's gonna be a hell of a season but i don't think he could there. be a monster like yeah. I, I really do like i think he's another one of these guys in your you know 18 leagues 10 team leagues even 12 team leagues like I'm really, really interested. Um, yeah, where, where you can back them up. Again, yeah. it's all about that replacement value. And if you can find some replacement value for these guys um, in the shallower formats, you want to take your shots. Now, don't go get Buxton and O'Neal and Luis Robert because then yeah. you're living on the waiver wire. But you can put one, uh, a guy or two like that on the team, and it can be okay. But if your whole outfield is those guys, well, then you're really asking for trouble. Yeah. Uh, let's move on then. Are you buying the Jake McCarthy second half hype? He was a league winner kind of guy. Like if you picked him up, the stuff that he was doing with a little bit of power and a crap ton of speed was absolutely skyrocketing you up the standings. Um, you know, there could be some dangerous extrapolation like we talked about earlier with certain guys, but he went five homers, 21 steals, 300 average in the second half. Are you buying into that second half hype with Jake McCarthy? Uh, not really. Um, okay. I mean, a, a little bit because I do think that, like, especially the speed um, is like uh, is legitimate. I really worry about um, is he actually going to play full time? Because um, we we've already talked about know. like in Arizona, like there is kind of a log jam, and I could see him ending up in a platoon. I mm -hmm. could see him uh, ending up, you know, them saying like, "Hey." Are you really part of the future? Uh, you he's know, five. I mean, he's still yeah, young. but they've got all these like top tier prospects, like mm -hmm. outfield prospects, and so like, um, well, they have two now because Varsho's gone. So it's Carolyn Thomas, yeah. 
I, oh, and I know Drew Jones is coming. Sorry, you're probably referring to Drew Jones too, who's who's coming. Yeah, like, uh, but well, he's, he's there's Kristen Robinson. In, yeah, in but he has still he still has his issues with not being able yeah. to play. Yeah, he absolutely has a struggle. Um, I think my projection might even be a little bit too low. Maybe I'm being a little bit too conservative on him. So I, I think so with Jake McCarthy because you're you're with the market though. He's 27th on your board, 26th in the market. I got him 19th, and I don't think this is an aggressive projection. You can let me know if you think it is, but I got him for 12 homers, 30 steals, 256 average in 135 games with 81 runs, 77 ribs. For me, it's, I think it's all about the plate appearances. Like, what do I realistically think? He's I put five sixty-seven. Yeah, see, and I'm five twenty-four, and I think that's okay. kind of the difference. That's um, not going to make up ten spots, though. Yeah. Um, Although our, our 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 rates are, um, you have them for two fifty-one to my two fifty-six. That's that's not too much. Um, I I hear you on the power, like not being crazy. That's why I have twelve. You have nine homers. That's pretty close, even if you extrapolate mm-hmm. your rate to my plate appearances. So we're not too far off. But I like, I, I do think he is going to run wild. Yeah, I think the stolen bases is maybe where I need to, and maybe the plate appearances. I may need to push him up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look at that one again for sure. Um, you know, because like the plate skills underneath like aren't atrocious by any stretch of the imagination. No. Like he's not a guy like that. Like he's kind of league average everywhere. Like mm-hmm. he's, um, and maybe that's enough to keep Alec Thomas in the minors. Um, which, but just, that just seems weird to me. Like, you've got an elite prospect. He just might like, not be ready yet, though. I, I don't know what, like, why they don't think he's ready. But like, maybe that's just me. Like, I, maybe I think I'm we're just... always thinking that players are ready before they are. Just as a although, wait, wow, okay, I didn't realize he got a four hundred eleven plate appearances last year, but they were bad. <sighs> he was bad. He was but bad. The skills on Thomas weren't bad. Like, yes, but he can't hit league... lefties. Like. Corbin Carroll, but he also didn't hit righties. So okay, bring him up against righties, sure. Uh, for Thomas, bring his bring his numbers up against righties. You still have the lefty concern. Wow, I did not realize he got that many plate appearances. That's 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 a that's a season. Like that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good amount of playing yeah, time. Like, he, he yeah, he played a fair amount. Like, um, but now he's looking at not even starting the season on the major league team because, like you mentioned earlier, the Varsho trade did not even clear a path because a they brought Gurriel the back. A lot of the difference between Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy last year, BABIP. Like, uh, Alec Thomas had a 263 BABIP and Jake McCarthy had a 349 BABIP. Yeah. Um, like, like, that's a huge, like, reason. Like, you know, so, like, some of that was luck. You know, sure. I'm not saying that McCarthy wasn't better than Alec Thomas last year. I'd say more bad luck for Thomas than, like, over-the-top good luck yeah. for McCarthy. Because I think McCarthy can live in, like, a 325 335. Yeah, I think it's like a 315 is kind of like 349 is still higher than that. Undoubtedly. I know how numbers work, but I don't think, and we also don't have his averages off the chart. I got uh, the the projections have 257. I have 256. You have 251 for McCarthy. So we are bringing that average back down to earth a bit. Yeah. I think I do need to maybe, I, and I, as we kind of see a clearer picture of like, hey, this is Arizona. Like, if we get a report that says Arizona is definitely going to start Alec Thomas in the minors, mm-hmm. um, then I will probably bump up my projection on McCarthy. But right now, I'm, I think I'm pretty comfortable saying like, I think 520 something play appearances for McCarthy makes a lot of sense. So then, how are you handling drafting 
McCarthy. We'll talk about Thomas. He's probably not going to be on a lot of my teams. There's always okay. going to be somebody in my league that likes him a little bit more than me. That's fair. That's totally fair. Okay. Let's continue on then. Let me find my sheet. What's the market missing on our boy, Seiya Suzuki? Because we both like him. I've got him 16th. You've got him 13th. The market has him 27th. Why don't they? I, hey, by the way, stay off of him, guys. That's fine. We're not. Maybe Which we is should, insane. Let's, because, wait, let's sandbag this and, and say maybe we're just too high on him. We have to lower him, right, Justin? Wait, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sand. I'm not like jokingly sandbagging anymore because every time I do, I get a one star review on a podcast. Or someone's like, "Oh, they don't want to give away their sleepers." They said oh, that. Come on. It's like, like legitimately, we've got like oh, three or four one star reviews on on uh, the uh, the podcast. When have we ever here? been like we? I just gave away that he's our guy. Yeah. I, I just said he's my 16. You're 13 to the market's 27. So no matter what we say from here, we've been clear that we love mm-hmm. Seiya Suzuki. Um, so, which is go. insane to me because I must be in every single league with someone else who loves Seiya Suzuki because I have, yet, I have yet to get him this year. Um, uh, now that his projection is done and I have him so high, he will be on the rest of my teams because I am not, I'm not your guy. Uh, He was the only player in baseball uh, last Suzuki. No, no. He was the only player in baseball that that had my heart. No, uh, that's not true. Uh, He's the only player in baseball with a top 25 zone contact, a top 25 barrel percentage in the second half. So I wonder um, if people are just tepid on the baseline numbers because he played 111 games, 14 and nine with a 262. I, th- I think that's just holding people back on say a Suzuki because like, I think the projections okay. are holding holding him back too. The pro- like the projection systems, you know, are you know the bat and ATC both have them for like 20 home runs and 10 stolen bases. You steamer a little bit higher in 25, 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got him for 26, 13 with a 263. Uh, like I don't feel like that's overreaching. Now there's talk that he is definitely going to bat second or third in the lineup, uh, you know. And it sounds like while they the Cubs would prefer to bat him second, he wants to bat third because he's got an old school mentality apparently. Um, so like, but that Cubs lineup is not bad. Like that Cubs no, lineup actually really really interesting. Um, and so like I think they're like I may be even underselling like his runs and rbis a little bit at 82 and 91 uh respectively um but yeah i think say suzuki is going to be a huge breakout this year as long as he's healthy i think the big question becomes will he stay healthy because he did struggle with health last year is why he only sure. got to 450 plate appearances so um but yeah i mean he's he's being way underdrafted um, I think so too, and I'm I'm happy to take advantage. I've gotten him in yeah. multiple leagues, including taking him right out from under you. I'm not going to draft against you anymore. I I don't like being. We probably yeah. won't be in too many other leagues together, but if we do, I'll I really am get. I am discussing going to Vegas now, so that has been put back on the table. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, that but makes me yeah, happy. I don't think I will be next time. I jump in a slow draft. I'm not going to be sending you the link. <laughs> oh geez that's not very nice fine get your say suzuki without me yeah. but yeah we're big on him i'm right there with you i don't have to repeat everything you said i just i believe in this guy i think he was cut down by injury but the skills that we saw are impressive to me yeah he struck out a quarter of the time but it was an eight percent swing strike rate uh it was a nine percent walk rate which was pretty good 
I, I love everything about this guy. I think he's a monster. I really do. I do too. All right, let's continue on here. We're wrapping up this uh, first part. Is Taylor Ward a bit underrated given how strong he was after the shoulder healed? Because he was clear that that's what caused the lull was the shoulder injury that he had. And it caused a hell of a lull. But even with that, you're talking about 564 plate appearances with 23 homers, five steals, five, five out of eight. And those steals are not a factor, really. But a 281 average, 73 runs, and 65 ribbies. This is another one of my guys, and I'm trying to get Ward and Suzuki on teams, and I'm loving uh, getting the duo where I can. How do you feel about uh, about Taylor Ward? Yeah, I like Taylor Ward a lot. Um, uh, he is a guy that I have – I think I've got him – was he 23rd? And you said the market's 28th on him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely have him above ADP. I've got him on some teams already. Uh, another guy that if you and I are in another draft together, we will definitely be fighting over. Correct. And like, if, even with like um, what we saw last year, like I didn't like like massively increase his projection. No, I, think. I, I still have him for twenty three homers, um, six stolen bases, two setting batting average. Like yeah, that's right, right in line with what he did last year. And I gave him more plate appearances than he had last year. So um, I'm surprised the market is so low on him. And atop um, that order with Trout and Otani behind him, and I like I like some of the depth in that lineup too. Now. Rendon has to stay healthy. I totally get that. But well, the whole lineup has to stay healthy because it, it, at one point it was Otani and Luis Renjifo. And like Correct. That was and it. that was like, it. So. And Renjifo was literally leading off. Um, but yeah, yeah, so you got Ward, Trout, Otani, Rendon, Renfro, Drury as a top six. I like that. That has, some, that has some punch to it. That's some solid stuff there. He could score a gorillion runs, Taylor Ward could. And so I really, really do like him. Um, I think he's versatile. He could also move down a bit if they wanted to put somebody else atop the order for some reason and kind of make Ward, Trout, Otani the two, three, four if they want to put Renhifo one. But right now we have Ward back at one, and I'm fine with that too. I'll take the RBI hit for the tons of runs, great average, solid pop, and a little chip in steals. Love Taylor Ward this year. Very big on him. Um, over under uh, 1.5 gorilla runs for Taylor Ward. 1.5 gorillion, excuse me, get my number correct. Um, <laughs> we'll go over. Okay, over I'm the under gorillion. Over. That's fair. It's a pretty big number. There's a lot yeah. of zeros after that. Yeah. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to support my guy. I'm going to support my guy. Gorillion runs. Uh, will Nicholas Castellanos' power return? It was noticeably absent in Philly. We thought, hey, going from one great park to another, no big deal. You know, maybe not as high of a rate um, as his home run rate was in Cincinnati because it is Cincinnati is Coors Jr., whereas Philly is just a solid park to hit in. Uh, but it, it was it was gone. It was tanked 126 ISO, which was, I mean, the worst of his career. Like it was. I still don't know how we don't have info on nagging injuries for him. I, I have to believe that he, he was playing through some nagging injuries, but he also had 9% home to fly ball rate. So there was some severe bad luck there too for Cassidy. And maybe that was it. Maybe that was it alone. Cause you drop from 23, 24% to 9%. That is eating up your homers. Was he just unlucky? Whatever it was, nagging injuries. Are you buying back on Cassidy's power? Oh, um, okay. So, there were two players that when I was doing my outfield projections last night that I spent the most amount of time on because I had a really, really hard time figuring out what they were going to be. 
and one was Corbin Carroll, obviously. Like, yeah. you know, like I just, it's so hard to figure out. The numbers like, kept being so high. Because <laughs> the small sample at the major leagues mixed with the, the, the largest samples in the minors just really, really played tricks with me. Um, the other one was Cassianos because I did, initially, like, I did the projection and I went, oh no, like, I, I don't even have Castellanos as a top 50 outfielder. Well, you barely uh, got him top 40, spoiler alert. Uh, so you're still pretty concerned. I'm super concerned. Okay, I'm let's really, hear it. really concerned. Um, even readjusting, like, I don't think it's fair to readjust his home run to fly ball rate to, like, what it was in Cincinnati because he's not in Cincinnati anymore. That's fine. So, so even if you move it back to, like, 15%, and I did. That, that was 23 home runs. Okay. Um, and... And even that feels somewhat aggressive because I have 26. Were, so let me be clear that while I am much higher than you, it's going to yeah. come down to the batting average, which we'll talk about in a moment. I, I have some real <laughs> concerns about like the slowing of his bat in the second half, especially. Um, okay. And, uh, and like the quality of contact. So like he made contact, but so much of it was like on the ground or weak or like, I think there was a mechanical issue, and I do wonder if there was an injury of some sort because, like, for him to really struggle the way he did says something wasn't right. Like, I don't think this is age catching up. I mean, he's not that old. Like That's what I thought, um, too, when I'm looking at Castellanos. He's 30. And, hey, year one transition, is he pressing or something? I don't know. I just saw so much, and I'm yeah. like, how was he this bad? And I gave him credit for getting – a good bit back of the way again, not all the way back to Cincy because like you said, it's it, Philly's not Cincy. It is Coors junior. It is on another level from other parks, but it is still a good park to hit in. And I just, I think he's going to be a lot better here for Castellanos. Yeah. I just, I think that that is um, not backed up by the data. Like, and, and then that's the, I love Castellanos. Well, like, that's I if you Castellanos. take last year at full face value though. Yeah, because what if he was? I mean, I guess if we got we got to get some info on whether or not he. Yeah, was I, and, and you know maybe he's a guy that like he comes out in spring and he looks like looks right. Um, and it's, you know hits a bunch of spring home runs and things like that. Like we go, oh, okay, Nick Cassiano's back, and I start like, okay, get him back up to thirty home runs. I mean, if you know his personality, and I, I, I obviously don't, I don't know him. We're not friends, but having watched him all those years in Detroit, he's not somebody who's going to make excuses. He's going to be but, listening to this podcast. Like, what? We're not friends. Wait, what? You, Paul? What the fuck, man! I got you a birthday gift. You prick. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, he's not somebody who's going to say. This, that, and the other was why I didn't play well. He's, I'm, I'm, I, you know, he's an old school type. I got to get out there. If I'm playing, I, gotta, I need to be myself. No excuses. So it's going to have to be pride out of him about the injuries or somebody else like a manager, Rob Thompson, is going to have to say, yeah, he was dealing with this, that, and the other. But I just look at this. I'm like, it's such a fall off. I just, I don't think that's who he is. And he hit 263 even in the struggles. I've got his batting average bouncing back up. I've got the power back up to 26 homers, which is a doubling of what he did. I guess the real question, too, would be, can he stay healthy? Because now this is 138 and 136. Uh, so he yeah. was injured. Obviously, we, by the way, I want to be clear. We know he was injured for some time. I'm wondering if it lingered while he played. That's yeah, the real question right. that I have here because of how crummy Nick Castellanos' power was while he played in addition to the time that he did miss. So I, I have him up at 24. The market's 29, and you're at 37. So – I, I don't think you're completely off base here. So I don't want to board bet on this one. Like uh, I'm not so confident that I'm going to say that you're nuts, 
I think there are some valid concerns here, but I am going to pay for the market price. ADP 29 outfielder, I will get Castellanos there uh, comfortably on a couple teams. I'm not too worried about buying back, even with the risk built in. I need something that tell, gives me some like illumination to why like he was so bad. Like there, there has to be, it can't just be, this is who he is in Philadelphia. Um, and I know there are a lot of people who are like jumping for joy um, because they like totally faded Cassiano's based on leaving Cincinnati. Um, and at, at this moment, they're right. Like, so like, I'm not going like, to hard hit tanked everything tanked. Like, because it was, it was, it was the quality of contact in yeah. like, it, but like I do wonder, like was there an was there an issue that was preventing? What was the him injury from... that he was out with? I'm looking at him. You can't. I honestly sorry. can't remember uh, what it was. So, um, but like he also stole more bases, and like he actually like his yeah, defense, his defense really good. improved in the second half. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, based on uh, there was a great video you and I both watched. And yes. I can't remember exactly where it is. It's somewhere on YouTube. Um. It, like that talked about like Philadelphia just like positioned him differently um, because he's really good at going to his left and really bad at going to his right or going forward. And that's um, why we yeah. saw all those sliding catches. That was pretty much by yeah. design yeah. to give, to give Castellanos his strength. And that's why we saw so many there. So yeah. he had a turf toe in late April and late August, excuse me. And then the strained oblique in September. So he played all year. Ah, yeah. it, it would have to be something that came up early and, and impacted him that we'd have to hear about because otherwise it just looks like a bad season from Castellanos. I wonder now, if he was dealing with the oblique for longer and it finally got to a point where he missed time. The only counter and, to that would be he was good in August and that was one of his best months. After three dog shit months in May, June, July, did he maybe get healthy in August because of the all-star break and then it flared back up? I don't know. No, We're speculating no. here because it, it's hard to make sense of Castellanos falling off a cliff here. And that's exactly yeah. what he did. And maybe, you know, I, I think this talk is having me pull back a little bit here. I, I think I, I think you gonna, should. I think I am going to pull back just a little bit on my uh, eagerness for Castellanos. I'm still, like I said, I'm open to the ADP 29 outfielder, but I have him 24, so I'm going to get him closer to that 29 mark, shave some batting average off specifically. All right, our last guy here in the part one of outfielders, uh, what is uh, Stephen Kwan's stolen base upside? We know he's a batting average god. Uh, he'll give you just a couple homers. That's not part of his game. If you're drafting for that, you're you're doing it wrong. But he stole 19 bases last year. Is he somebody that takes advantage of the rules and goes crazy? What do you like out of Stephen Kwan this year uh, for a follow-up to his really strong rookie year? He's ADP 30. I have him 30. You have him 22. Talk to us about Stephen Kwan. Yeah, like I don't have him for like a massive output in terms of like stolen bases or anything. I think I have him for less than he stole. You do. Uh, so it's all about batting average for me with Stephen Kwan. Like, um, like I think like you know have a guy who can hit three hundred with the amount of plate appearances he racks up leading off in in Cleveland is huge. Do I think he could have like a like a big like bump up in stolen bases? I, I do because he walks so much on top of having that good batting average that he's gonna have lots of opportunities leading off in Cleveland mm-hmm. when he's got you know like a 370 OBP. So one to one strikeout to walk is so good for somebody that doesn't have yeah. punch but can run like that. I feel like, yeah, like you say, he's gonna be on base so much. That's why I did jump up the SBs. I wonder if maybe you should. You already like him. 
Yeah, that would start to really move him up your board. But he is a he's a specific type of pick, right? With Quan, you have to have your power situated mm-hmm. or a plan to cover it later. But I put him only for twenty steals. I think it could be. I wonder I if think, he can drop thirty. I feel like he could I, again. I'm I, not projecting I think he, I think he's definitely fast enough. That he's on base enough. Like yeah. so, like I. I definitely played it a little bit more conservative, and you might be right. Like, I may need to like bump it up to like 22 stolen bases or something like that. I think you should give him at least um, that, at least get him into the 20s based on everything else that you have for him. You seem to like Quan, and I, I, I get it. I'm not yeah. here's another thing. This is another like, um, probably based on who we like elsewhere because our projections, while we are eight spots apart, our projections are not eight spots different. It is yeah. just different guys that are ahead of them because we're pretty close on everything here. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a I'm a big Quan fan. Um, I haven't drafted, or no, maybe I think I drafted in one league so far. I thought, so I thought you might have even in the, one of the ones that we're in. I came very very close to drafting him in okay. ours, but I did not. Oh, that's right, that's right. We had talked about it, and you you yeah. said he was one of your considerations for that. So I mean, he he had an excellent season. Quan did, and you know, I don't think he's like overpriced or anything. I definitely see a world where getting Quan in the right fit is a great piece to insert there, especially if you open with some big power guys mm-hmm. and you're looking to get that speed back. He gives you the average along with it, especially if you took maybe like an Alonzo who could hit 250 while hitting 40 homers. Boom, Quan, Quan and Alonzo is a great combo. You don't take them back to back, but you go mm-hmm. Alonzo in the second, Quan in the sixth, seventh, and that's a nasty little combo there uh, of power, speed, batting average. You get all five categories covered there with those, four, with those two. Yeah. So, all right, that's Stephen Quan. That's the top 30 by ADP. Uh, we'll do probably the next 50 the next time here. We'll, we'll be quicker. We won't talk necessarily about every guy. But, uh, yeah, we'll probably end up doing three parts for outfield here because it is so deep and we want to cover people that play super deep leagues, draft champions, and all that. The The third episode will probably just be quick hitters on a bunch of guys later, maybe maybe paired with catcher. We'll see how that goes. But Friday, it'll be the, the heart of outfield from, mm-hmm. say, 31 to, like, 80, 85. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but until then, Justin. It was awesome seeing you, like I mentioned earlier, and uh, I'll talk to you on Friday. Take it easy.